My guest needs no introduction. In fact, he would probably prefer it that way. Sure, he's in the Podcast Hall of Fame. He runs several successful podcasts, has helped countless people start their podcast with his company, School of Podcasting, and he's pretty much a legend in the space. But as you'll see, he's an advocate for getting to what he calls the meat and potatoes, meaning lead with value, not a long introduction. So enough about him. Let's talk about the highlights from this episode. As I just alluded to, we talk about the common mistakes made with the intro and how important it is to create a great first impression. I asked him about several things that may make him throw up a little bit in his mouth. We dive into some interview strategies. You're going to want to get a pen and paper ready. We also talk about how to get real feedback, not the type of feedback that you get when you send it to your mom. We also learn what he means when he says you need to fan the flames and connect with your audience. He also shares ideas for monetization, and his new book just came out on that very topic. We also do a lightning round that gives us a snapshot into his favorite tools and platforms. Okay, enough setup. Let's get into the meat and potatoes. Dave Jackson, thanks for being on For the Love of Podcast. Billy, thanks for having me, man. I'm glad to be here. Okay, I'm going to start by reading your LinkedIn biography. No, I'm not going to do that. (laughs) I'm entirely kidding. We'll get into the intros in a minute. But before we do, I want to look back in time and look at your 16-year-old introverted self. And I want to know, what would you tell that person, knowing the journey that you've been on over the last however many years since your 16-year-old self, what would you tell that person? I would say, I know you just got fired for being too shy, which is a true story. But in about, I don't know, 20 years, you're going to make a living talking in front of groups of people. And that kid would look at me and go, ain't no way that's going to happen. Been a fun ride. You've established yourself in this space in so many important ways. And I am chomping at the bit to get at so many what I'll call meaty topics. I think that probably the best place to begin is thinking about the beginning of a show, which I just alluded to. What I know you focus on is that initial first impression. I have become addicted to the podcast radio show and I binge listen and you have a lot of them. So I haven't gotten through all of them yet, Yeah, but there's some things that call them pet peeves, call them things that you highlight especially with the intro. Wondering if you could talk about a few of those and then we could have a conversation about some of the mistakes you see, especially in the intro and the first impression of a podcast. Yeah, the the big one is when I see people go, hey, welcome to the show. Uh, what, I think this is episode 17, uh, 18, whatever. <laughs> I don't know, but uh, um, it's Thursday and I, I, we're supposed to have a show. I'm not sure. What do you want to talk about? I don't know. Some guy in another room. All right. Yeah. So it's Thursday. We'll figure something out. All right. Welcome to the show. And I'm like, okay, what's the show called? What's this episode about? And then of course we always have to have music for the sake of nothing. That drives me nuts. Cause really that's all it is. And I always use the, um, one of my co-hosts, Eric K. Johnson on the podcast review show says nobody gets on a bus unless they know where it's going. Mm. And so when you start off and you're like, all it has to be is welcome to the show where we blank, you know, today's show, we're going to talk about blank and then here's how you're going to benefit. And most people will stay on the bus if you hear how you're going to benefit. 
And I'm just amazed at how many shows don't do that. Another one is the double intro. When we started here, you you gave a, an intro, but then you do an intro at the beginning, like, hey, today on episode number such and such, I'm talking to Dave Jackson and he's this guy and blah, 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 blah. Here's my talk with Dave. And you hit play and you're like, all right, I'm talking to Dave Jackson. And you're like, no, we, we already heard that. So that's an easy one to do. I've done those in the past. And you're like, oh, you'll double intro. The other one, my favorite one, said the guy that goes to church is, I swear, every single Christian podcast starts off, welcome to the I Love Jesus, I Think He's Cool show, where today we're going to talk about Matthew 13. But before we do that, can you give me some money? And I'm like, really? Really? Like, you're just going to hammer that stereotype again? That drives me nuts. I'm trying to think of the other ones. Reading the bio. Oh, yeah. Yeah, my favorite was there was a guy, and he was, I mean, decorated. And this lady is, and when I say reading, she is reading the bio in a very monotone voice. We went to school in Uthridge and was 13th in his class and and just going on and on. And I'm, the whole time I'm like, please. And she gets done. And her question after that was, is there anything else I should add to that? And I was like, I, and so many people think we need that backstory. And I'm of the opinion you don't. It's not like when you start watching Save it Pri- Saving Private Ryan, they don't go, hey, before we start the show, it's World War II. The Nazi, you know, they just, it's like, here we go. And then you figure out that Private Ryan and his backstory as the thing goes on. And to me, I will care about your backstory after you tell me something that I care about. And I know that sounds kind of weird. Like, I don't care about you until you give me something, but that's the way we're kind of wired. And I would much rather if somebody goes, here's how you can double your downloads in six months. And I'm like, oh, and I start taking notes. And then I want to go, where did this person come from that they learned this? Then I worry about the backstory. But so many people are like, so your parents still alive? And I'm like, I don't really know. That doesn't have anything to do with what I want to learn today. So. They're serving the appetizer when you want the meat and potatoes. And you talk about meat and potatoes all the time. Maybe that's the Ohio part of you shining through. <laughs> I like meat and potatoes too. Get into it, right? Don't wait. Yeah. It's funny because on the school of podcasting, I often start with a because of my podcast story. And there's a part of my brain that goes, is that meat and potatoes? And I'm like, mm. you know, but usually those are really short. But there's a part of me that goes, maybe we should put those second and just go right to the main course. Well, as you say in your book, they don't start the news and say, here's the number one news story of the day. And then wait. I mean, sometimes they do wait to show you that stuff, but, oh, yeah. but they're getting to the core of what that message is fairly quickly. And I think it's really important for a podcaster listening to this to really recognize that get into it. Don't make them wait and don't try to do the interview be- before the interview. I'm going to make you throw up in your mouth a little bit. All right. So I'm going to say a word and I want you to tell me what you, the gut reaction is. Blue Yeti. Just bad audio. Just it's and the sad thing is I actually should say uninformed user because that's really the problem with that microphone is it's not a horrible microphone. Still not my first choice, but I see so many people. I just saw I literally like 10 minutes ago saw a picture of somebody with one on a table and they're talking into the top of it. And they're like, okay, number one. Now, if you have it where you're you're, you, you've got it on a boom stand and it's hanging about, you know, three fingers away from your mouth with a pop filter and you've got it set to only pick up from the front. I know a lot of people that get great sounds out of a Blue Yeti. The problem is nobody, you know, we're, we're Americans. We don't read the manual. So <laughs> we, we miss the whole thing. It says, don't talk to it like that. That's one, just bad audio. I can smell them a mile away. Well, they don't know how to use it. You're so right, right that if you use it the right way, it can get pretty good sound. And even 
when you do use it the right way, it's not going to be as good as a lot of uh, better mics. Okay. Another one, Anchor. Well, you are just uh, Anchor. The thing I, here's what I really hate about Anchor. And, and that is the fact that they say, come here, we make it so easy. And there's a button in there that says, click here to distribute your show to Apple, to Stitcher, to Google, to all these other places. And nowhere in there does it say, oh, and by the way, there are extra stats in, in Apple and in Stitcher and in Google and in Spotify, and you're not going to have access to those. That's my biggest beef. A lot of things they used to have, I don't know if they watched my video. I have one at anchorsucks.com. And I went through a list of things that I just thought were horrible. And they've actually fixed some of those, but that's still the bottom line. And the other thing that causes is if that was a paid media host, and for the record, free is not a good business model. When you have Spotify as your purse, your, your wallet, I guess it's not a big deal. But there are people now that will start a podcast and do one three, four episodes and then quit. Mm -hmm. And if that was a regular host, you'd quit paying them and your show would go away. Well, now we have podcast litter all through the, you know, Apple podcasts and things like that, because it's people like, oh, I'm not doing that anymore. It turns out I was making a penny a download and I thought I was going to make real money. That's one that I'm just like, ugh. so I just wonder where it's going to end up. Anchor is the home of the pod fade. That should be the tagline. <laughs> Let's move it to another one. Advertising like Conan O'Brien. Yeah, that drives me nuts. I actually just listened to his episode today. He interviewed Michelle Obama and I did the math. I forget how much it was. It was somewhere between like 20% of his show is advertising. And I kind of jokingly said he should rename his show. Conan O'Brien needs some cash because I will give him credit. He tries to make his sponsor reads entertaining but I noticed this today, and it's one of those things, again, kind of a pet peeve. I hate the sidekick that laughs at everything because I forget what he said. It was something like, I think his assistant's name is Sonia. And he's like, Sonia, you've been to a red house before. And she's like, <laughs> red hot. And I'm like, okay, I understand you're the sidekick, but that drives me nuts. When And especially, and I understand how people do this because when me and my best friend get together, his wife especially is subjected to this. And this is where you have 8 million inside jokes mm. and you're like, man, remember the orange Gatorade? He's like, orange Gatorade. I forgot. And, and she's just looking at us like what's, and we're crying. We're laughing about orange Gatorade. So I see a lot of podcasts that do that. And you're like, Hey, for the record, I wasn't there back in 97, the orange Gatorades. I wasn't there. And I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, it doesn't necessarily provide value. We'll get into that in a minute. I've got one more, actually got two more. One right. is this obsession with new and noteworthy. Yeah. The thing that drives me nuts about this, number one, people are getting paid thousands of dollars to get you into new and noteworthy. And there are so many things. I'll, I'll give you an example. Paul Revere ran through the streets screaming, the British are coming, the British are coming because he saw the lights. That's absolutely not true. That's not true. Look on the internet. No, he, he actually did the things. He went with a group of people, There's, but it's been repeated so often that people just, it's folklore. And people thought, if I can get into New and Noteworthy, I'll have thousands of downloads and, and money will fall from the heavens. And I reached out to different people. And like my friend Paul Culligan had a new show. He got it into New and Noteworthy and he got an extra 32 downloads. And the one that really made me want to cry is somebody had gone through and, and pretty much done everything you're supposed to do. They launched the show. Of course, they launched with three episodes because you can't launch with with less than three or you're cursed for life or whatever. 
and they didn't get into new and noteworthy and they were literally going to pull the podcast down, rename, like go back to the drawing board because they didn't get into new and noteworthy. And I'm like, it doesn't do anything for you. It might've back in like 2007 or something like that. I remember I had a client that got in there and it, it boosted her hundreds of downloads, but mm-hmm. that was many, 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 many years ago. Right. Things have changed. Yeah. What about this concept of charging your guests to be on your show? Yeah, this is kind of a new thing. It doesn't, I'm just hearing more people do this. And the thing I worry about, and this is just my opinion, is you've had things where like you pay off your car and you're like, oh, I'm going to have a couple extra hundred bucks a month now. This is gonna, I'm going to bank it. It'll be off this. And all of a sudden, three months later, you've somehow found a way to spend the extra money that you had. So if you say, look, I'm going to charge somebody 200 bucks to be on my show. If I do four shows a month, that's $800. Wow. And then all of a sudden, Junior needs some braces. The car gets fixed. Maybe you move to a bigger house, whatever it is. And then now you've gone from, oh, it'd be cool if I could charge people to be on my show to now you have to, Mm. to survive. And so where before you might've only picked people that you knew were going to fit your audience and bring value. Now you're like, okay, I do a show about whatever NASCAR and, Oh, you do a show about knitting, but you'll pay me. Sure. You can come on my show. (laughs) And those people are paying to get in front of your audience. And the more you just take anybody who has a pulse, the less audience you're going to have. Hence, nobody's going to want to pay to get in front of that. Mm. So it's just one of those things where I get it. And the other thing you have to look into is, Oh, I forget the, it's not the FCC. It's the something, there's some government agency where you have to disclose, like if Kim Kardashian holds up a can of Sprite, she has to say, I'm getting paid to hold this up. And so you have to disclose when you're getting paid because you can't say, oh, this is the best microphone I've ever had. And then find out later that, oh yeah, I got paid $300 to say that. That's not cool because if somebody buys that and it turns out it's the most horrible microphone on the planet, well, Dave said it. And like, well, Dave got paid. That's the other thing. I'm kind of like, mm, be careful with that. There's legal implications. And while we're on the topic of guests and being a guest, you talk about this concept of the spray and pray approach where people are just littering inboxes around the world with why they should be on this person's show. But they talk all about them, about why they're so great without yeah. ever really talking about why they'd provide value for the podcaster and specifically for the audience of that podcaster. Can you talk a little bit about why that is a problem and just why we should avoid doing that? My favorite is I'll get an email. If I'm lucky, they've got my name. Cause sometimes it's like, hello, I love your podcast. And I was just want to go, okay, which one? Like I've got about five going right now, (laughs) which one? Like I have people all the time that started their own business, raised it to a seven figure, yada, yada, yada. They do the hokey pokey and they turn themselves around. And I'm like, okay, but like, what does that have to do with getting more downloads for their podcast? That's what my audience wants to know about. And so if they had, Hey Dave, I listened to Episode 742, you talked about how to be interesting. I thought that was really interesting, especially that part about Ron Howard. Okay, now I know you listen to the show. Mm -hmm. And so many people don't do anything, and they prove that they don't when they say, I'd love to be a guest. And you go, that's funny. I don't have guests. So I know you didn't listen to the show. But when they show they listen to it and they say, I have a thing, I talk about this on that subject. If you ever want to talk about it again, or did you know such and such? And they give me a little nugget that I'm like, ooh, that person might be a good guest. Mm -hmm. Then I'm more susceptible because they're not talking about here's how great I am. They're saying, here's how I have something here that would benefit your audience. 
And as a podcaster, your job is to get cool stuff for your audience. And somebody just put some right on your plate. Why wouldn't you go, oh yeah, let's make this happen. I have a guy right now, it's going to be on one of my weight loss shows and basically just did that. The only thing I, I said was he has a bunch of supplements and I go, I'm not really looking for somebody to come on and just plug, 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 plug. We don't even have to mention it. And I'm like, cool, because I've always wanted to talk about supplements, if it's a racket and things like that. But very much, he showed, he listened to the show. I like this. Here's my background. Have you ever thought about talking about supplements? And I was like, hmm, okay. But I get so many that they're like, they just don't fit. Somebody caught me once, probably about a quarter to midnight. And it'd been a long day. It'd been a hard day. And Dave was a little tired. And they pitched a real estate person to come on the School of Podcasting. And I was like, you know what? This is just like not even close. So what I did was I narked on them and I went to the person they were pitching. So let's say it was, you know, Nancy Smith. Nancy is the queen of everything and realtor and blah, blah, blah. And I went to her website and I said, I don't know if you know this, but the service you're using to pitch you pitched to me and I am so not a fit for you. Congratulations on your business. But whoever you hire doesn't know what they're doing. They're doing a spray and pray. Mm -hmm. And I was one of those words like later, she was like, thank you so much. I'm so glad you did this. Later, I was like, oh, you're a narc, man. Snitches get stitches. You're going <laughs> to, karma's going to come back and get you. No, you're not. I mean, you're doing them a service. And yeah. let's face it, newsflash, research doesn't start when the guest says they'll be on your show. It starts before that. So you can share mm -hmm. something specific. That's how I landed Jordan Harbinger, who I know you're friends with and who you highlight his passion for the research, which is the topic I want to talk about next. You actually highlight something that I really love, which is the power that research has for editing. And, you know, your dad taught you to measure twice, cut once, right? And yeah. so if you do the work on the front end, how does that affect editing? Well, you don't ask a question that goes nowhere. So if you like, tell me about that time when you really think you couldn't do it and you did, and they go, I've never really had something like that. Well, there's always going to be some that you like, mm, that might be something to explore, but it just it lets you, again, it lets you get to the meat and potatoes. You know the good stuff. So like when Jordan was on my show, I met him at an event and he came up and was explaining how he'd been fired from his own podcast and was completely transparent. And I was like, holy, I said, dude, would you come on my show and say that? And he's like, yeah. And what was interesting is I did a bunch of research and everybody was like, hey, Jordan, so like, what was the deal? And he's like, ah, you know, irreconcilable. Nobody would push further. So I was like, okay, here's how I'm going to be different than every other interview that Jordan's done. And I just kept going, I'm like, well, was it a kind of a creative thing or this and that? And finally he got to one point and he said, I would love to go deeper into this but there's a court hearing about this in a couple of weeks and I can't go. And I was like, oh, cool. I found the wall. I found the limit where we're going to go. And so that's something I always try to do. Eric Newsom has a book called uh, something like Make Noise. He's from NPR, has a great book on podcasting. And the gold nugget from that book is if you have somebody on your show, figure out what's the one question that only they can answer. And I was mm. like, ooh, I'm writing that one down. Yep. That's another thing of the research. By doing that, you kind of know where you want to go. I wish you could see my notes. That's literally the next thing in my notes was what is the one question that only he could answer? And I kind of couple interviewing and value in the same place. And I'm a huge, huge believer in what you believe, which is the value piece is everything. You have to be an advocate for your audience and you need to be providing value. One of the things you said, which rings in my ear over and over and over again, is taking, let's say a, a question or a segment, putting that on a shelf 
and saying, is this something that my audience would pay for? That's gold right there, man. Like that's the way we should be thinking about our entire show. And this even goes into editing. First, thank you for that. Like that is right there to me, the greatest way you could think about how you produce and bring value, but also how you take out things that you don't want. The question I have for you is how do you be a goalie to only allow the good content to come in? Well, most of it is details. Like I just did an episode and once a month, I asked my audience to send in a thing. I said, be sure to tell me the name of your show and a little bit about it. From that point, I need to know what it's about and where can I find it? So when somebody goes, I started in September, I'm on episode number 156. My audience doesn't need that much detail. I just need to know what it's about and where can they find it? Links are going to be in the show notes, but when you go into, and my co-host is Jim Smith, and uh, I've known him since kindergarten, don't need that. So it's a matter of like, what's the part that my audience is going to know? The other thing that I edit out the most is me, because I do a lot of Me Too stuff. And by the way, I should reword that a whole lot. I do a lot of stuff where I tell a story that's similar to the one that the guest just told, hence Mm -hmm. There's, I remember this one time I did this and I'm like, me too. And I do that because I'm having a conversation, but I don't need to make the point that my guest just made. Or the other thing, I'm kind of spastic and there are times when I'm excited and I'm ready to talk to this person and I'm going to ask a follow-up question. So it's not one of the ones I have written down. It's I'm calling it audible. I want to go deeper on a subject and I'll start off a question. And I'll be like, so what you're saying is, is like the, like, well, when the, how did you know that was going to do that? And I will cut out all that stammering because yeah. it makes me sound like an idiot. So I'm like, let's get that out of here. The other thing I listen for is, did they answer the question? Mm-hmm. So right now we're in the middle of political season and it's hilarious listening to somebody ask a politician a question and then they answer it, but they didn't answer it. If you ask me, what's my favorite color? And I go, oh, it's about a quarter to five. Okay, I gave you an answer, but I didn't answer the question. And especially if you get somebody that's interviewed a lot, they get used to, they've kind of polished their default answers and things like that. And you just ask them something and they're like, oh, I remember the one time I was down on the barn and it's the same old down on the barn story that you've heard on every single episode. So there are times when I go, did they answer the question? Or sometimes they finally answer the question, but there was like, again, this huge backstory. And I don't think we need the backstory. We just need to know, yes or no, sir, did you do this or not? I'm really glad that you touched on the editing piece, which I want to get into. One of the things that you shared is if something is on target, that should go in the goal. And the goal is where your audience is. That's what's behind you. And anything that doesn't fit that criteria, such as the stammering or all these other things, you're batting those things out of the way so that just the stuff that's on target can come in. There are people who believe that you should just go raw, Whatever happens, yeah. happens. Tell us why you feel editing is valuable and maybe some other professions that use editing. Well, there's book editors, there's TV editors, there's newspaper editors, there's movie editors, but apparently everything out of your mouth is absolute gold and we don't need to edit it at all. And I'm just like, and when they say, oh man, I, I'm just going to keep it real. And I'm like, okay, so what's really going on is you're going to be real boring and real lazy. Editing is kind of a weird art in itself. I'll give you an example. When I listen back to my latest episode, again, I have a bunch of people and they were answering what is their definition of interesting. And one of them is Carrie Green, who used to be a pastor. When you know that, you go, oh, well, exactly. That's because he got like a little 15 second sermon in there about 
if we would all show interest in other people, then we might be getting along better. And there was a part of me that's like, going, okay, he's being a little preachy here, and that's not really what we're going for. But I was like, eh, it's a good message. I'm going to leave it in there. But it's one of those where I was like, hmm, and that doesn't really – I asked him what is interesting, and he's explaining why we should – and I was just like, eh, it's Carrie being Carrie. I'll leave it in. So, But there, there are things that uh, – you know, there, there are times when you – well, when you listen back to your first episode, you'll probably cringe. So. Oh. Uh, I made the yeah. mistake of listening to it and not even the first one, like probably the 25th. And I was like, Oh, well, that's it's something that I do. If I can remember, I like to go back like three months ago. And because then I'm listening to it with fresh ears and, and I'm sitting there going, Ooh, and somebody's saying something like, please tell me I asked the follow-up question. I'm like, yes, yes, I did. Good. Okay. So for me, it's my teaching background. I'm always trying to, I'm always thinking there's room for improvement. Well, there is. And that's the thing is that we know there's room for improvement often we're our own worst critic, but we also are afraid of letting other people give us feedback. We think if our mom tells us it's great, and you talk about this all the time, we shouldn't be relying on mom's opinion. We should get other people's opinion. You tell a great story in one of your interviews about Tyler Perry and the growth that he had. Focus groups, like why Why should we be using things like a focus group where somebody where we're not in the room to understand better how we could improve our shows? I understand that you just spent the better part of a week doing your first episode and you're proud of it because holy cow, I actually have an MP3. I'm done and it, when I hit play, it plays and things like that. So it's hard to then take that and find somebody that goes, oh, you're doing a show about classical guitar. I love classical guitar. And you're like, to go, can you listen to this and tell me what you like about it? And if there's any time you're bored, if you could just say, hey, this part I found boring or whatever. If it's not boring, that's great. If you love the whole thing, but and if you hate the whole thing, that's fine too. I want to make the best podcast for people like you that love classical guitar. That's tough to do. And it's funny because we don't forget those words. When I was Oh, I don't know, 17 or whatever. I was in a band and I could sing. I had a fairly high range, but just because you can hit those notes doesn't mean you should. And I remember I, uh, my band talked me into singing a song and my brother came out because you kind of sound like a cross between Bob Dylan and Axl Rose. And I was like, Oh, that's not a, either one of those. It was like <laughs> very distinct, by the way. <laughs> it is very distinct. So we kind of sometimes those leave a little scar, but on the other hand, I then asked him, he's like, well, you're kind of nasal. And I was like, okay. So then you, you talk to other people like, oh, you need to sing from your chest. And you, you learn. If you're not failing, if you're not doing something wrong, then you know, you're not going to learn. You had a podcast for years, a music podcast, that ultimately you decided to stop doing that one. How do you make the decision whether you're going to pod fade or stop a show or reinvent? Like, How do you make that decision? Obviously, you're doing something for 10 years, so I wouldn't even call that a pod fade. That would just be like yeah. retiring that. But what would you do for something that you know somebody's new and they're on the fence, whether they keep going? Do they do a different show? Do they give up? What's your advice? If you're on the mic going, Ugh, I got to do another one of these, just stop. It's just I, I started one. My background besides teaching was in customer service. So I started the customer service show. And I had these delusions of grandeur where I'm going to start this show. People will hear it. They will hire me to come out to their companies. I'll be this customer service guru guy. And I did, I think, six episodes of that. And I just sounded like a grumpy old fart. I went into this place today. They didn't even do this. And, 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 and they'd be like, this is what they should have done. You kind of know easily. And, and what I used to tell people is write down, you don't have to write down like the script, but write down the idea for the first 10 episodes. Because if you go, I've only got about four, you're like, 
maybe it's not time to start the podcast yet or, or tell me more about those and where do you want to go and things like that. So if you're in the boat of, oh, I don't want to do this, well, then don't. That's not a good Just, sign. Yeah. You got you to have your heart in it. It's got to be something that you're passionate about. Otherwise, it won't last past seven episodes, 10 episodes or 20 or you certainly won't get yeah. for 50 or 100. One of the things you talk about is presentation is queen. I love this because con- we know content's king. Why is presentation queen? I think a lot of it is kind of marketing and the fact that like when I first started the school of podcasting, it was dirt cheap, like re- like $5 a month. And my friend looked at me and said, can you name anything on the internet that you can get for five bucks that that is worth anything? And I was like, yeah, that's a good point. The presentation, I, I kind of mentioned earlier how people start off and they're just not organized. And to me, especially if you're trying to promote a business or a service, I sometimes worry about it because I love to make people laugh and I'm kind of goofy and things like that. And I always wonder like, how much has my goofiness cost me in people that are like, I was going to run out a podcast from that guy, but he seems a little weird. And I was like, eh, I'm just, I still got to be me. But the thing that does is it attracts people that are goofy as well. And so that's the part that I kind of like. I've never had a client that I'm like, oh, I got to work with that guy again. You know, oh, she's going to come in and be, I usually attract people that are like me. So, but I think just thinking it through, like I've, my, one of my favorite things was when I was in bands, there was a, another local band and they had this big, huge train sound effect and thunder and ladies and gentlemen, you know, welcome. And they would like, this would end. And then the guy would run up to the microphone and like, I bought some Zeppelin. And I was like, that's the weirdest anticlimactic intro I've ever heard. So that kind of stuff as well. And just have a smooth transition. My favorite is, hey, Billy, want to go to the, the lightning round? You know, it's <laughs> right, like, right, right, right. Just go to the lightning I love round. I've seen it before it happens. Just yeah. go to it, right? I, yeah. I love that. You're talking also about editing. And if you have to yeah. adjust the volume, there's a problem with the production, right? If the audio has hissed throughout, that's something yeah. you got to look at. If it's unlistenable, if it's distracting, these are the things that you highlight on your podcast radio show, which I got to give that a massive plug. I'm addicted. I am addicted to that show. I, I will listen to every single episode because each one brings something new or it's a reminder of something that you shared before. I'm just a huge fan. So thank you for that. Well, it, that was started as an experiment. Right. Somebody, there was a new podcast media host and I had a bunch of people saying, well, what about this? They're cheap. And I was like, uh, I, I want to go test them, but I, I don't have any time to do another show. <laughs> and I was like, I'm like, what kind of show could I do where I did zero show prep? And I was like, what if I just grab a random podcast and listen to it and say what I think? And right. I was like, hmm. And I threw it out there and I was going to do it for about a month. And then I went to quit. And everybody's like, what do you, what, where's, where's the next episode? Come on. You know, you don't know what's going to happen until, and I actually, that was another one I had a hard time doing because I'm a teacher. I like to help people. And I'm just peeing in your Cheerios in some mm-hmm. cases saying, this is horrible. After a while, I said, okay, wait a minute. Let's think about my brand a little bit. Let's come across as the helpful guy, not just the guy that comes in and punches you in the mouth. So I try to say, well, this was good. I like this idea, but here's some things you can polish up. I think you do it fine. Yes, you are critical and that's what you need to be, but you do it in a tactful, polite way. And you always do highlight some of the positive. You're fair. 
you're direct. And I, I appreciate that. There's always going to be the haters and the naysayers. I even read some yeah. reviews where like, uh, oh, well, blah, well, well, you shouldn't be showing other people's pot. And I'm like, come on. And now people yeah. are signing up for it, right? So, And what helped with that is I had somebody that I said, hey, like you had mentioned, one of my big pet peeves is, is if you make me adjust the volume, I can't do that while I'm driving. Come on. That's, that's an easy fix. And a couple other things I pointed out and they came back and said, wow, you know what? I was too close to the trees to see the forest. Thank you so much. I've done this. I've done that. And I'm now getting better feedback from my audience. And that's what I was like, okay, I am helping people. But sometimes you got to find out that your baby's ugly and got to find something to do about it. And most of it's fixable. That's right. And you got to be willing to ask. I asked uh, somebody who sent me a really nice note. I love your show, blah, blah, blah. Okay, thank you. What critical feedback? He's in the podcasting space. So he gave yeah. me like very detailed specific things on my editing, about some of my volume, my intro and outro. And I appreciate it because feedback is a gift. And for the listeners out there who are maybe more resistant to feedback, treat it as a gift because that's exactly what it is. Speaking of gifts, one of the, the greatest gifts of podcasting is the relationships you build, not only with interviewing people, but with your audience. And you talk about it starts with the relationships and those relationships exist when you provide value. When you talk about the relationships, one of the things that I really love in your book is talking about fanning the flames. You highlight Pat Flynn, you highlight Taylor Swift's story. There's any number of ways that we can connect with our audience. Maybe you could share some of the stories and ways in which I love how you send videos. It's kind of weird because especially doing this book tour, everybody keeps introducing me and I'm like, is there somebody else in the room? Because they're like, this guy's the best. And I'm like, really? Because to me, I'm just a dude in a spare bedroom talking to a microphone. So that's always kind of weird. But I have to acknowledge that, okay, I am the guy in their ears. And when the guy in their ears sends them an email and they're like, I get giddy. Last week, speaking of Pat Flynn, he was doing a live thing. And I put something in the chat. He's like, oh, Dave Jackson is in the house. He goes, man, if you don't know Dave, you should. He's this great guy in podcasting, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, Pat Flynn said my name. He's a great guy. So if that works for me, it would work for the people that listen to you. If there's any way you can respond to the email, respond to the tweet, you know, like their Facebook, whatever it is, something they're going to go, oh, I put a thing, the lead guitar player and singer from the band Striper put out an album where he threw himself so far under the bus I was like, holy cow. And I wrote this really long review of it on my blog. And I went over and the Michael Sweet said, thanks so much, Dave. I really enjoy And I was like, Michael Sweet was on my website. I was like, I couldn't believe it. So take that because I just told you about it. So when you do that to one of your listeners, they're going to say, oh, you're not going to believe this. But I listen to this podcast. It's so great. And the guy that makes the podcast, the woman that makes the podcast, like actually sent me an email. That's so cool. And so I use a, a tool called Loom. That's mm -hmm. a little video thing. And that just, it's the teacher in me, right? If you can hit all the different senses, some people read, some people listen, some people watch, whatever it is. So if I can get them all in one shot, I will do that. And it takes all of 10 seconds to record a video. But to them, it's like, I can't believe you took the time to send me a personalized video. So it's maximum return for a very small amount of effort. And that's what we're all looking for. So all those ways to do it, you said the best thing there, you asked for feedback. The key to that is to shut up. Interview Connections, Jessica Rhodes, 
And uh, I asked her once, I said, she's like, I really like your show. I'm like, great. I said, uh, what do you like about it? Oh, you're funny. You're entertaining. Like, great. I said, what should I change? And she goes, oh, I just, you know, it's, it's fine. And I just shut up. I just sat there and was silent and was like, took out my phone to take some notes. And she's like, okay, the thing with the cat, I'm not a big cat fan. And when you bring your cat on, it's, it's a little weird. And I was like, well, I don't bring him on. He brings himself on and I just <laughs> let him stay there. And so it was kind of cool that she gave me some feedback. So, but it's, you have to have this weird, uncomfortable pause, but they will give you some feedback. And sometimes it's really good feedback. And sometimes they want you to change the show in a way that doesn't really fit what you're trying to do. And you're like, Hmm, wow. I never knew that, but that's not my target audience. And you have to be okay with that. You don't need to take all the feedback. Even if they are gifts, doesn't mean that every gift is the right gift for the right Right. time. And you got to weigh in whether or not it's going to help or not help. I love the ideas about being creative. And it's, it's really about personal touches. When I think about this, it's like, get creative. When we think of the Taylor Swift thing that I referenced, and I don't remember if it was you that brought it up. I think the 5am morning that you were on. And the idea here is that Taylor Swift's this huge celebrity. Somebody went to their meet and greet. They would go around table by table. She would go around almost like a wedding greeting everybody. But the, the biggest takeaway I had is that they would then get a personalized note about what they talked about. And this is coming from Taylor Swift. So if Taylor Swift can do it and granted she's got people and all that, but like there's loom, there's vidyard, there's all sorts of ways that you can connect with your audience and take that extra time, do something personal. I mean, that is huge. Another thing that I skipped, which I just thought of as you were talking, because I was like, oh, I need to write that down. I need to write that down is you keep a notepad by your side. Why do you do that when you're interviewing? I have two pads. One has my whatever, six or seven questions that I want to answer. And that first one, again, gets right to the meat and potatoes. The second one is if somebody says something, the problem with interviews is while you're like right now, while Billy's listening to me, he's listening to me, but he's also trying to figure out what's the next thing I'm going to ask when Dave shuts up. And the other thing he might be going, Ooh, I want to ask about that. And that's the one that causes the problem because you're already distracted. You're trying to figure out what the next question is while you're listening. And then you're like, oh, I got to remember to ask this question. So what I do is I just write down a word. Mm-hmm. And so I was interviewing, I forget Kathy's last name, but she does a show and she's a, a musician, but she's also a podcaster and all these other things. And she said, I knew I had to do something to stand out to get my music played on the radio. And I didn't want to interrupt the story. And I just wrote down stand out or something like that, some sort of word. And when she got done with it, I said, you just said you had to do something to stand out. What was it? Because mm-hmm. if I had to sit there and remember myself, okay, how is she going to stand out? How is she going to stand out? And then you're like, oh, wait, what did she just say? Oh, wait, there's another follow-up question. So, and it's always a pen that doesn't click because if it clicks, <laughs> I'd be sitting here clicking it. So pro tip right there. <laughs> yeah. So it's just something to free up your brain because really Great interviews are based on great listening. So true. 100% agree with you. When you think of any time somebody is trying to think of the next thing they're going to say, they're not paying attention, especially us men. I was just having this conversation. It's like, we are horrible multitaskers. And so if we're like clicking our pen and not engaged, not thinking about what that other person's saying or thinking about the next thing we're going to say, we're not able to have an organic, natural conversation. Switching gears a little bit, And talking about why should somebody think twice about letting someone throw F-bombs into their show? If you leave them in the show. So if you just, hey, man, I'm going to keep it real. I'm not going to bleep them out or anything like that. So you have full-blown profanity is such a weird word. I love words. And I'm like, okay. So you leave those in. 
I, the list is rather long of people that uh, I know it's uh, in your I, book. You have like 20 yeah. countries that, <laughs> yeah, I forget them all, but it's number one is India. There goes, you know, millions of people down the, the tubes that can't hear your show. Once you swear, it won't be played in India. Is that correct? What happens? Yeah. As soon as you mark an episode explicit in India and many other countries, when you do that, that's an Apple and Apple has a deal with India that says, Hey, if anything is explicit, pull it from Apple in that country. You're still available every place else, but in that country and these other ones, they just pull it. And Apple's like, okay, because we want millions of listeners. And if that's what we have to do to have our product in your country, we're willing to do that. So it's just one of those things where depending on who it is, and then some people, it, I I think words are fun. I think it's hilarious. I love to go right to the edge. And I, I think it's interesting how some people get so offended by some things. And so you just have to be careful. Like I had, I forget what I said once. It might've been something about diapers or something to do with, you know, about your naughty bits. And uh, I had somebody who's like, you know, I'm not going to tell my friends to listen to you anymore if you're going to be so vulgar. And I was like, it was literally like third grade humor. And I was like, you know, and I felt bad because I've known this person. I did kind of have a relationship with her, but, you know, and I was like, well, you know, it's kind of like Chris Curran is a friend of mine. He's an audio engineer. And if Chris criticizes my audio I'm like, you know what? Chris has a higher level of of audio quality. And for this person, not judging her, but she has a lower, she gets triggered easy than easier, I should say, than, than other people. And I was like, well, okay, from, from that person, I expect that. That's fine. And, you know, I was just like, hey, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to, you know, offend you or whatever. But if that's, you know, I, I really didn't think it was that bad. And here's why. And you have a little dialogue. And you hear each other out. And if she stuck around, she did. And if she didn't, she didn't. That's not my target audience. And I will continue to attract people that find third grade humor occasionally funny. So mm. it is what it is. Oh, fudge. Yeah, you got, <laughs> you got to be careful, right? And the other thing that was interesting is if one episode is marked explicit, do yeah. your whole show. is it, it, The whole show. One bad apple will spoil the whole bunch. This blew yeah. me away. And and folks, this is worth the price of admission that you didn't pay for this podcast. This one nugget right here. If you're letting, because I've been doing that. I've been letting people throw F-bombs on my other show. And now I'm like, I need to clear that. I'm, I don't think I have on this show yet. So it's just because that's a huge part of the audience. Okay, I want to spend the rest of our time on the money part, which you you have a book that I just love and has so much absolutely just fantastic insights about how to profit from your podcast, which guess what? That's the name of the podcast. <laughs> uh, that's the name of the book, I should say. So when we think of crowdfunding, what words should we place emphasis on? Yeah, the word there is crowd. And so many people start off with the funding and they are freaking out. Like, should I name it like bronze, gold, diamond levels? And wait, should I do this in a like but you don't have a crowd yet. They're making all this extra material for their super fans. And I'm like, you don't have regular fans yet. And so the, the part that most people, when, when I dug into it and nobody wants to hear this, cause you, you'll see like, wow, I have 500 downloads an episode. Holy, if I could get 250 of those people to give me a buck, that's $250 a week or a month or whatever it is. And you know, this, this is going to easily pay for itself. And then the bigger it gets and, and it's like, you're not going to get 50%. What? No, you're not going to. Okay. So if I could get 20%, no, if I could get 10%, no, unless you're an absolute, uh, 3% is about 
the norm. And the more it's one of those things where, you know how, like when you buy, I don't know, a blue Honda that all of a sudden you look around and it's like, there's blue Hondas everywhere. The minute I found an, an article that said 3%, it's like every study I show, like what's the average mail open rate? 3%. What's this? It's 3%. And I'm like, wow, that's like so far from a hundred, but it's true. The nice thing about that though, is now you have a group of the 3% who really, really, really like your show and you just dump gas on them. Mm -hmm. You Now, you know, here, here's the people that I can really push and build that relationship, get feedback from to help make the show to get that number up from 3% to, you know, 10% if you're, you know, just absolutely a rock star. Well, you're telling people what they may not want to hear, but what they need to hear. And that's one of the many things that I love about your approach. Speaking of things that people may not want to hear, on average, how long does it take to make money? You've zeroed in on a number and want to hear what your thoughts are on that and how you came to that number. Yeah, it's just like I said, this is one of those numbers that I kind of discovered. And then I was at, uh, I remember I went, I was speaking at the Utah Podcast Summit and I'm hanging back with some friends and they had a panel on monetization. And somebody asked, how long does it take to like kind of really start bringing in real money? And I looked at my friend and I said, three years. And he goes, what? And I go, three years, watch. And the guy's like, well, we did this, we did that. Ah, it's about three years. And it's just one of those things that the more I think about it, and then everybody goes, wait a minute, what about John Lee Dumas? He made money after six months. And I go, six months of a daily show. I go, what are you doing? I'm doing a weekly show. Oh, so what if John was doing a weekly show? And you do the math on that and you go, oh, that would have been, uh, that's right, th three, three years if you round it up. So it's just one of those things that I think the reason for that is the first year you're kind of trying to figure it out and you're figuring out what's working and what your audience wants to hear, because no matter what you do, you know, it's, I always say your podcast is a recipe. It's not a statue. So you're going to come out and go, what do you think of this? And they're going to go, mm, needs a little salt. I'm like, okay. So you tweak it a little bit. So that first year you're getting it right. Second year, you've kind of found your voice and you're getting a little more confident behind it and you're finding ways and your audience is starting to share it. So you're starting to really get that, that crowd is starting to come into the crowdfunding. And by year three, now you've got it to where you can actually start influence them to do whatever that is, whether it's buy a product or a course or a service you're offering or a Patreon or whatever it is, you, you can actually start to see some results. Well, you talked about your membership starting at five whole dollars and now you've, you've optimized, you got it to where it needs to be and you have different platforms. Wonder if you could talk a little bit about your strategy or advice for somebody that maybe wants to have a membership component. I know you suggest going off of WordPress, which I found interesting. Why is that? And maybe any other advice you have for membership? Yeah, I have a love-hate relationship with WordPress. Almost all of my websites are on WordPress. And I'm going to say I've been hacked three times. So if you use WordPress, definitely have a backup or three. When the School of Podcasting first started, the School of Podcasting and the and the membership site were on the same thing. So every time I made a some sort of tutorial, I had to go in and and block it from the public. And this, so when I separated it and put it on a completely different, like technically, the the membership part is the School of Podcasting.com, where School of Podcasting.com is the podcast, and it just makes it easier because you don't have to keep like, oh wait, this one goes here and that one goes here. So I did that, and some people might argue and say, yeah, but you're missing SEO. And I'm like, mm, the SEO goes to the school of podcasting. They just got to click the join button. So that's part of it. But the other thing, whatever you're doing with monetization, 
in almost all cases, the buzz phrase is you're transforming your audience. Whether Right now, I'm paying a guy to transform my living room from one color to another one. And I'm willing to do that because I don't have the time. And you're either going to pay in time or money. So if somebody wants to do something and you can help transform them, whether it's a coach that helps somebody do something, or it's a, a course that leads somebody through a process that you want to do, or you know, with a Patreon, your content is transforming them. Maybe you're making them laugh or think or something like that. And people want to do that more. So you offer more of that behind a paywall. And, you know, it's amazing. You think, oh, well, who's going to pay money for this? People pay for stuff all the time that's free. And if you don't believe me, why is The Wizard of Oz available on Amazon.com? Because you can pretty much catch that anywhere, you know, and if it's on TBS, it's great because it's almost like an all-day event. They put so much commercials in that. So, and don't undersell yourself. It's funny because like I said, I started off at five bucks. I did one really huge Black Friday sale and just cut the price to almost free. And I had a bunch of people sign up. Of those people that signed up, almost nobody started a podcast. And I had more than average amounts of people who were a little, uh, what's the word here? Um, they wanted more than handholding. Like they're like, wait, you're not going to edit this for me? No, that's not part of the deal. I'm teaching you how to edit. I know people who can edit for you. And they're like, but I gave you like five bucks. Like, yeah, that's not part of the deal. So I don't know what's the politically correct word, but they were a little more cranky. And you're like, hmm. Whereas if you have somebody who pays more, it sounds weird, but I had a a better quality of customer. Boy, that sounds bad, but it's it's the truth. It's the truth. Yeah. yeah. I want to talk about tools because you highlight a lot of tools and resources. Yeah. So I'm just going to say something and just give me your, give me your, give me your take on this membership Academy. Great. Mike is an awesome guy. Here's an example of learn from other people's mistakes. And Mike is, has been doing this for decades. Great guy, great information and uh, a huge time saver. Okay. Acuity. Best tool I have. And I, I would die if, if the house is on fire, I'm taking Acuity with me. It does all my scheduling. It does all my invoicing. It If I wanted to sell classes, I could do that on that. And the team there bought me stuff and gave it to me when I went to Podcast Movement. So they really appreciate me as a customer. Then uh, we will shut up because I know we're in the lightning. That, that is an endorsement. Yeah. Okay. Fresh, yeah. fresh desk. Don't use it anymore. I actually switched to Zendesk. Okay. Not a bad tool. Just Zendesk did a little more than I wanted it to. But definitely, if you want to do a, free, I think they have a free version. It's great and another great way to connect with your uh, with your audience. Okay, Genius Link. Genius Link is a great tool for people that are doing Amazon stuff. And if you don't have WordPress and you want something to make these cool little links and things like that, it's pretty handy. Okay, Kit.co. Kit.co is another great affiliate tool. So if somebody goes, hey, it's me and my friend and we want to do a podcast, what should I get? I could say, go to kit.co. Here's my stuff and look for the one that says two people in the same room. And what's great about that is there is a button that says like buy all on Amazon and it adds all the things. So I can have two microphones, Roadcaster, a couple boom stands and such and such. And they can click a button and all that goes into their cart on Amazon. And I earn, you know, the affiliate commission on that. That's not a bad thing. I got one more and then a book. Buy me a coffee, Dave. Buy Me A Coffee is an interesting tool that is got a good community going on over there where the people are listening to what people want. And the thing I like about it is it's super easy to set up. What it's not really geared for 
is podcasting. So if you want to like upload a media file or something like that, that part, unless of course it's on SoundCloud, which is a whole other, yeah. speaking, speaking of tools that are not my favorite, that it integrates with that. But if you want an easy way to have people chip in money to you, uh, it's pretty easy and it looks super clean and things like that. So, okay. Now the last one is a book story worthy. Love And here's the beautiful, because of my podcast, I get to interview him next month. The guy's name is Matthew Dix. And I always say, if you can, to illustrate a point. So if I'm going to talk about the passion you have to have to start a podcast, I'm going to reach into my bag of life and go, oh, I remember when I had a 16-year-old stepson that was just dying to drive. He wanted to get his driver's license. And every time I was within 10 feet of that kid, he'd say, can we go driving? And you need that kind of passion when you start a podcast. Matthew Dix is the guy that will tell you how to craft your story. And it it drives me nuts. There are, let's say there's 10 books on storytelling. Nine of them will tell you storytelling is very important. Great. Matthew tells you, hey, guess what? Storytelling is really cool. Here's how to tell a really good story. Mm -hmm. So if you, it's just one of those things that one of his things is figure out where the turning point is. Where Where's that one thing where, where life changed and this is what happened afterwards. He goes, that's typically where you want to start. Nine times out of 10, we don't need the backstory. Mm. And so it's just, it's one of those things I'm actually, because I'm interviewing him next month, I'm going to go back and listen to the book again. Okay. Because he has like six or seven stories that he uses over and over and over. And in every chapter he goes, now here's another thing you didn't know. There was somebody else in the back seat, but we didn't need that detail. So I didn't, you leave it in and you're like, Ooh, that makes sense. So anytime you can make me think I'm a big fan of that and uh, story worthy is a, a great book. And he also has a great podcast. Get into the meat and potatoes. Once again, there's a theme and I know that yeah. resonates with you. Thank you so much for providing the meat and potatoes on this show. And also in your book, check out the book. It just came out profit for your pot from your podcast profit from your podcast you can also check out schoolofpodcasting.com which has so 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 many of valuable resources you can become a member i highly suggest getting involved dave is a absolute legend his show which i already shared i'm addicted to the podcast radio show plus podcast review show plus you can find him on Twitter at Dave Jackson. You can find him on Facebook, School of Podcasting, on YouTube, Personal Podcast Coach, LinkedIn, Dave Jackson, and on Instagram, School of Podcasting. What am I missing? Ask the Podcast Coach. On Saturday mornings, 1030 Eastern, uh, askthepodcastcoach.com slash live. If you can't afford podcast consulting, Ask the Podcast Coach's free podcast consulting. You just got to get up at 1030 in the morning on Saturdays. Oh, no. Dear me. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a tough request. <laughs> that's a deal breaker. Okay, yeah. Dave, final word for you, my friend. Thank you for being on the show. What's the last thing you have to share with this audience? Wow, the last thing to share. Go buy the book uh, would be one. And just here's the thing. If you're thinking nobody would listen to me, I'm here to tell you I've helped so many people that said, why would anybody listen to you? We all have our own stories and our history and our parents and our jobs and all the stuff that we all have something to say. And there's probably somebody that's dying to hear it so that they go, Oh, I'm not the only person that, that feels that way. And don't, don't let fear, you know, stop you from starting a podcast. It's really, you, you've already got the skills. Mm -hmm. And with that, I could go on for about another hour. So I will stop. Even Garth Brooks had imposter syndrome. We've all yeah. been to a place where we don't feel we deserve to have the success that we have or do the thing that we want to do. You were an introverted 16-year-old kid who 
would have never guessed that you've had the storied career that you've had. You've made your mark on this industry. And I'm just so truly honored to have had you on the show. Dave Jackson, thanks for being on For the Love of Podcast. Billy, thanks for having me. This was uh, a lot of fun, man. I really appreciate it. And I look forward to buying you a beer sometime in the future. Stop. Don't leave yet. If you made it this far, please listen for just one more minute because I have something to tell you. I can't tell you how much it means that you took the time to listen, and I really hope you enjoyed this episode. So what do I want to tell you? I want to let you know that I'm here to serve you. If you have suggestions, ideas, possible guests, show topics, anything you'd like me to cover on future episodes, please let me know by sending feedback to for the love of podcast forward slash feedback. I want this to be a two-way street, not just me talking. I want to know what you want from this show. Ultimately, you will help decide what this show is and how it best serves you to make better podcasts. If you like this show, let me be blunt. The best payment you can give is to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platforms. This is so important and it will help so much, especially during these early days as the show gets started. One more ask please consider sharing this show with your friends on social media to help spread the word. All right, that's it. Until next time, please remember everything we do, we do it for the love of podcast.